Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak podcast. I am Nikki Ivey, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Well, we are at the end of the year, and this is the last podcast for 2020, and we have Brittany with us again today for our part two segment of our 2020 kind of behavior calls or calls that we've gotten in 2020. Say hello, Brittany. Hello. And we have a new set up, so I'm hoping you guys can hear us better and hear us kind of even. Um, This is, I'm not really understanding how sound works. Um, but we're just going to talk and we're just going to see how this happens. Um, I don't really have any business to talk about. There's no real, um, I guess, announcements other than uh, plan on January. We are going to be having um, a special Be Safe, Be Responsible communication seminar via Zoom for our Patreon members. We will have dates for that. So if you're not a Patreon member, be sure you check out patreon.com slash dogspeak um, so that you can be a part of that and not miss that. Also, as a Patreon member, you get questions answered on air, so please um, join us if you can, and if you cannot monetarily support the podcast, that's okay. We would just love for you to share the podcast with everyone you know and get it out there, and of course, rate it if you are um, listening somewhere where you can rate and review, because that's how other people find us. So this is our part two from last week's episode on the manners, the top three manners that we had gotten for 2020. Uh, Tonight is going to be about our behavior issues that we dealt with, our top three behavior issues that we got calls for 2020. As you guys know, everybody was at home and started seeing some problems with their dogs. A lot more, uh, I think they started to see that the problems were more serious than they originally thought. What do you think there, Britt, since you take all the phone calls? Oh, yeah. So, 
I'm going to start with the one that people didn't realize was a thing until they worked from home for a few months, went back to work for a couple weeks, and then, you know, obviously everybody's working from home again. But we had that little break in there where people, a lot of people went back to work uh, in a physical building that was not their bedroom or their kitchen. So uh, separation anxiety Ah. was huge. Uh, Suddenly there are dogs that are, you know, trying to get out of crates and are tearing down doors, things that they didn't do before, uh, before the pandemic. So that was, that was a big one for 2020. Yeah. And you know, a lot of times when we get separation anxiety calls, um, there is a, there's a huge kind of gap between kind of mild separation anxiety and severe separation anxiety. But there's also, I think, this behavior that happens with dogs that it's not necessarily separation anxiety. Um, I don't know if I would label it separation anxiety. I think it's more of uh, boredom and frustration because Mm -hmm. they're Mm -hmm. not getting their needs met. Yeah. Um, You know, so it's rare that I've seen dogs with separation anxiety that's so severe that medications needed, that they need to have someone watching the dog all the time, or they need to take the dog to, you know, daycare or boarding during the day. Somebody needs to be with this dog at all cost. Mm-hmm. But I would say that the majority of ones we've gotten, I think, that are more on that kind of milder side of separation anxiety. Yeah. Uh, to where it's it's not necessarily where the dog is anxious and literally having a panic attack. Because, you know, when your dogs have anxiety and separation anxiety it's actually really it's like a panic attack when you have these dogs that are trying to get out of the crate that are you know scratching at door frames or eating window sills it's truly a real anxiety and it's a panic attack and if anybody out there has had a panic attack you can feel for your dog but the majority of the ones I think that we've gotten have been more just frustration and and here's why that frustration's kicked in Um, you know when you were home when everybody was home with their dogs um, what did we see the most in our neighborhood? People walking their people dogs. People walking, yeah. Lots of people walking. Right, and they sure. got their dogs out. I think that what ended up happening is there for about six months, people were home, yes, but I think that they were doing more with their dogs. And because they were doing more with their dogs, they were um, really giving the dog what they truly needed. And the dog mm-hmm. is like, wow, this is amazing. I'm getting my needs met, all this enrichment and these snippy walks. I'm getting to play with the neighbor's dog. Um, you know, maybe I'm, I'm playing with the dog down the street that I've been barking at, but we finally got together because we were, you know, they were walking in the neighborhood at the same time. Yeah. I think people started doing more with their dogs that took some of that boredom away from them so that when they went back to work, they stopped doing so much with their dogs. And then the dog started feeling that frustration and started feeling that boredom. And I think that's where a lot of that separation anxiety, and I'm using air quotes, separation anxiety kind of comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what would what would someone see if it was true separation anxiety? Well, I think you're going to see a lot of other symptoms than just the dog being anxious when you're gone. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see a dog that has other fears and phobias loud noises, um, uh, where the, whether it's a storm phobia or uh, not handling pots and pans rattling around. You're going to see a dog who possibly cowers just when their owner's voice gets loud. I mean, I know in our house, when we play football, we watch football, 
it gets loud up in here. Oh, yeah. You know? And our dogs have just learned just to deal with it. They go to the other room if they don't want to listen. But um, I think that you're going to see more symptoms than just if the dog is having a fit around, um, you know, the crate or when people leave. So I think, one, you're going to start to see anxiety, fears, and phobias in the home when the owner is there. Mm -hmm. uh, you might see uh, symptoms with separation anxiety if the dog is not in a crate. You're going to see things like excessive saliva, uh, salivization. Did I just say? Saliv salivation? Salivation. Salivization? I'm going salivization. I think I was thinking. Sal <laughs> I think I was salivization? Thinking, I think I was thinking desensitization, and it just came out salivization. You're going to leave um, that in there, right? I'm totally. Okay, we, good. As people know, y'all, I'm a we, one taker. I don't. And we make up things. words every time. We do make up words. And yeah, I don't, um, don't, uh, <laughs> I don't go back and edit too much on these things. So... Uh, yeah, so excessive salivation. Mm -hmm. Yes, nailed it. Um, you're going to see possibly urinating and defecating in the house. Mm, yeah. uh, you're going to see possibly the dog chewing up things that they've not really chewed before, taking things off of counters. Now, if your dog has taken things off of counters when you're not home um, before, or they've chewed things up when you're not home before, then you're probably not dealing with separation anxiety. Yeah. Right? You're probably just dealing with, um, again, boredom and bad you know bad manners and if you guys hear a little bit of growling and panting the dogs are laying at our feet and i don't know how great these new microphones are going to be of picking that up but hey you're listening to a dog training podcast yeah so yeah you're probably going to listen uh and hear some dog growling and stuff but i think you're going to really notice something that's kind of out of the blue and you're going to notice that the dog is you know possibly uh not only just um excessive now, now I'm like on the road to excessive salivating, mm -hmm. but you're going to possibly see dogs that pace a lot, that don't rest. So many people have cameras in their home now that I think if you really need to know if your dog possibly has separation anxiety, the first thing you need to do is you need to set up a camera and you need to watch. Yeah. Does your dog just have a fit for five or ten minutes? Right? Because you can't say, well, when I leave in the mornings, he's barking, and when I come home in the evenings, he's barking. Well, that doesn't really mean a whole lot. And that doesn't do a whole lot. Yeah. It doesn't give us a lot of information. And it doesn't help when your neighbor says your dog barked all day when it really was for 20 minutes. Exactly. Because <laughs> in their mind, it was, it was all day. day. Right? Yeah. Or the dog barked for five minutes and then was quiet for an hour and a half. And, and then, then barked, barked again. for another five minutes. Yeah. yeah. So you really, you, you have to set up a camera and look at it yourself to see what is your dog during, doing during the day. Is it pacing? Is it salivating? Is it urinating and defecating? Um, is it trying to get through windows? Is it scratching at doors? Um, is it not resting at all? That is the biggest thing. You can't go by what your dog is doing when you leave versus what your dog does when you come home. That's not giving us a clear picture on separation anxiety. So do know that most of the dogs that we get calls on for separation anxiety, it's not really separation anxiety. It's possibly anxiety in general but not necessarily separation. I think that the majority of it's going to be a little bit of anxiety, but probably mostly boredom. Because mm, yeah. uh, let's be real. I mean, you know, you've been home for six months and you've not had a routine with the dog and the dog is used to staying in a crate, but now he's out all the time and the kids are home. And, um, and the dog is, is, was probably wanting you to go back to work just as much as you want to get out of the house and go back oh, to for work. Sure. You know, because they rest during the day. They do a lot of rest and they have this routine. Um, even though I'm not a huge fan of routines. Uh, but I, I don't think that we have as many real cases of separation anxiety as we got calls for. 
Mm -hmm. um, however, a lot of people were seeing some things. Yeah. Uh, so that I'd say that was a that was a big one that we had gotten calls for. So, what are the other? We have two more that are top behavior issues that we got calls for. Uh, so the next one, um, obviously, you're hearing some grumbling down on the floor. <laughs> That's because the Roddy has a bone that the Border Collie wants. Uh, so we have a lot of issues with resource guarding yes. this year. Yes. And it's, what do, What would you say, is it more of dogs resource guarding objects from other dogs or resource guarding from people? Oh, um, it was from other dogs, mostly related to people. Ah, so they were resource guarding their humans. Yes. From the other dog from in the, the pack. Oh, yeah. 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 That was the biggest thing. Uh, you know, in years past, it usually was toys or food, and this year there was a lot of uh, resource guarding revolving around the humans. Around their person. Mm-hmm. Yes. And here, you know, one of those things that people talk about, where they, you know, they think it's cute at first where the dog is, you know, growling at their husband or their wife because they want to sit next to their, you know, to their partner. Yeah. They think it's cute that the dog's growling. And the thing is, is it's not. It's not an appropriate behavior because resource guarding can easily go from kind of innocent to causing some real serious issues. Yeah. Um, I've seen some serious issues. I personally had to work with a dog who literally would eat your face off if you came near a piece of food, even if you didn't even know it was there. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those cases that I knew that there was not a lot of hope and he was just too dangerous. And unfortunately, um, he did end up lashing out at someone, biting them pretty severe. Now, it wasn't this year. This was 10 years ago. Yeah. Biting someone pretty pretty bad because they didn't even know food was there. They mm -hmm. just walked in. Yeah. So it can turn really serious. But if we start out dealing with resource guarding, the biggest thing that you have to make sure you do with resource guarding is don't yell and scream at your dog. Hmm. Right. Don't yell at your dog. Don't hit your dog. Uh, but don't allow it to work. So let's take the example of sitting on the couch. Let's say you're sitting on the couch uh, with your dog and um, your boyfriend comes and sits down next to him and your dog growls. Well, that's inappropriate. That could be the dog is resource guarding you. It could be the dog is resource guarding space. It could be the dog is protecting himself if he's feeling like that maybe the boyfriend's not been as consistent. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things, in it and we can't get in the dog's head, so we have to kind of look at things to see, again, is it real resource guarding or is the dog protecting himself? Um, in that situation, the best case scenario on that is you just need to remove the dog. You just need to kind of interrupt the behavior, put the dog in the floor, and then you can allow the dog to come back up. Uh, but you need to interrupt it. And of course, on the flip side of that, if we can avoid it, we need to start praising the dog and rewarding the dog every time, you know, that boyfriend comes in to sit down. Right. Uh, you know, let them know that when the boyfriend enters the room, great things happen. Nothing's going to be taken away. Instead, something's going to be added. Mm -hmm. uh, and that makes, you know, makes a huge difference in the thought process of the dog. Um, you know, I, I hear a lot of times that people take their dog to the dog park and other dogs approach and their dog is sitting by their feet and they start growling and snarling at the other dog. And so many times people think that's that they're protecting their human. Yeah. When in reality, in those moments, typically the dog is afraid and protecting themselves and just kind of staying near their human for safety. Uh, like a confidence issue. It's a big time confidence yeah. issue. And I say resource guarding is one of those things that I would, 
doesn't necessarily track back to confidence issues. So many of the behavior issues mm-hmm. we deal with tracks back to confidence problems. Right. And of course, confidence problems comes from the lack of communication, the lack of the ability to handle conflict, of using those communication skills. So I, I don't think resource guarding is necessarily a byproduct of that. Mm-hmm. I think it's literally a learned behavior. It's something I'm going to start. It's yeah. something I'm going to try, and I'm going to see where it gets me. Yeah. You know, and if the owner is screaming and yelling when they first see it, then the dog is like, yeah, you just confirmed that I need to protect X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. from you. Yeah. You know, um, the I want to go to dealing with resource guarding with food because I hear so much, and who knows, I, I probably did this when I was younger. Uh, you probably did this when you were younger, but you know how people get their puppies and they're feeding the puppies. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, I stick my fingers in their food. I put my hand in there while they're eating. And they're, you know, I try to pet and love all of them when they're yeah, eating. Yeah, I've literally never done that. Really? No, because the thought of someone doing that to me infuriates me. Because I really like food. <laughs> so, like, don't pet me. Don't don't you dare stick your hand in my food. Yeah. Don't try to steal my french fry. Right. Thank you. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've never done that. It seems so rude. I'm so glad you said that because you're right. I don't want that. And and that is one of the myths of dog training. Yeah. That you should do that because that will prevent, uh, I'm back to separation, that will prevent resource guarding. But it doesn't. I think it actually encourages dogs to protect their food because they don't know what your intention is. Yeah. You coming in, and I'm with you, you putting your hands all over my food while I'm eating, or you try to take one of my french fries, we got the problem. I mean, you might get stabbed with a fork right. if somebody takes one of your French fries. Oh my God, y'all! I'm, I got Irish in me, and, and potatoes. Potatoes are life. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised I'm not such a. I'm not much of a vodka drinker since it's all made of potatoes. Oh. I do like my Guinness, but I mean, that's the thing is, guys, don't be sticking your fingers in your dog's food. You know what? Feed your dog and leave it there. Right? Just leave it on the floor. Let the dog eat. Walk away. You don't need to pet on them. You don't need to do anything. Walk away. That's all you have to do. That's the number one way to avoid problems with resource guarding. And, of course, making sure that you don't allow your dog to growl at your kids. How many calls have we had? Oh, yeah. The pet, the small dog, you say a chihuahua, nothing against chihuahuas. I love tweenies. Um, the little chihuahua is sitting on the lap of mom, and every time the kids come in, the dog is growling and snarling and snapping. Yeah. And, you know, in the beginning when the dog is like three pounds, they think it's really cute and funny. When the dog gets to be eight and nine pounds and those teeth are much bigger, uh, it's not so funny. And so then they call us, and then the mom is already screaming at the dog and yelling at the dog, and the dad's yelling at the dog, and the kids don't want to be around the dog. And, and now we're getting into this vicious cycle. So you definitely need to make sure that you're not encouraging that. Um, that you're interrupting it, but don't punish it, right? I don't want you to scream and yell at the dog because then the dog is going to feel even more protective of themselves in that situation, and you're basically proving that negativity that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, so be careful with that. Now, if you really want to avoid resource guarding with your with your dog's food or bones or things like that, because like we can literally take anything from our dogs. Yeah. I mean, if y'all have not seen the video of Isabella when she was less than a year old, uh, had killed a rabbit and um, had gotten the rabbit. If you've not seen that video to where I had to ask her to let it go, with I didn't want to put my hands on it, but I asked her to let it go. It took a second. 
You know, it took a, about 30 seconds or 45 seconds for her to think about it. But she did finally let it go, and I gave it back to her. And so then the next time I asked her to let it go, which was in less than like two minutes, she let it go without a problem, right? Because she knows that there's always going to be something typically good that I'm giving. So what you can do is if you think your dog may have some resource guarding issues, is when your dog is eating, walk past your dog and toss in something really yummy, right? Toss in some hot dog, toss in some chicken. Don't stay lingering and talking to your dog. Just go, oh, what a good puppy. Throw in that chicken and walk away. Then you'll start seeing a dog that every time you walk away, they're looking up at you to see what other great thing that you have that's going to add mm-hmm. to their food instead of trying to hover around it. Um, and if you do have resource guarding issues, please do not try to fix them yourself because it can get very dangerous. Yeah. Um, you definitely need to reach out to, to us or to someone that uses positive techniques Um, because if you're not local positive techniques for that resource guarding issue uh, because that can turn really serious and some serious bites can really happen with that yeah so you have to be real careful so yeah so that was so we've got our separation anxiety and our resource guarding Mm -hmm. mostly resource guarding the person Mm -hmm. Um, not necessarily food but again it's an object and and dogs can really resource guard anything space I think they could probably resource even like time. So <laughs> you really want to watch your dog and make sure that you don't get into that um, that area. So what was our third one? Mm. Inner pack issues. Oh. And here's the thing. Again, people were home all the time. Um, and, and a lot of these just popped up suddenly. Um, I think part of it, and, and as we see so many times, which is, most of the time, it's one of the dogs has been disrespecting the communication signals of the other dog. And finally, the other dog's like, I'm done. You know, it's, I'm not poking you. I'm not poking you. <laughs> and that goes on for so long before your brother punches you in the face. And that that was a big part of what we got. But another part of it, too, is that the dogs were out together more than they were before. And... yeah. They don't have their separate crates. They don't have their time apart. They're together 24 hours a day because everyone's home. And part of it, too, I think, was just they were just tired of each other. Right? <laughs> They're just tired. We really exhausted our dogs this year. I think, I think we did. I think you're exactly right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. It, it's, you know, it's amazing how much Britt's learned, even though she doesn't. So many times y'all ask me, does Britt train dogs? And I laugh. No, no one wants that. <laughs> But she's very intelligent about about it, and she understands it. Um, and so she's right. It's the dogs were out a lot more, and they didn't have as much downtime, which means that they were tired more. Um, they were probably on edge a little bit more. But also, mm-hmm. who else was on edge? Oh yeah, we were all. I mean, this is the year of edginess. <laughs> oh man, I'm telling you, I was uh, talking to my doctor, and and she said, you know, I'm. The PTSD from this year that she's seen is is remarkable, um, and she's treating people for PTSD related to 2020. Wow! Uh, so you know the dogs are doing it too. Yeah, they're they're feeding off of us. They're feeding off our anxiety. It's been a really really hard year. Um. Yeah. 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 They're definitely feeding off that. Yeah, I think that, that when the when the household is stressed out, um, tension rises. Mm-hmm. Um, the energy levels are off, but they're up. 
Yeah. Uh, there's no balance. And so you have dogs that kind of are on edge. Their routine is off. Mm-hmm. Um, everything's different. You're right. They're not having this downtime where they are comfortable in their crate or they're comfortable in their room. Um, but it was just a lot of changes and a lot of um, a lot of just negative energy, I would say. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that you're, well, one, you're, you hit the nail on the head. It does usually start out where a dog has been disrespecting the signals of, the, of another dog, and that's those signals of saying, I don't want to play, or I don't want to do this, or stop barking at me, or stop messing with me. Mm-hmm. And that respect's not happening. And so the dog that's getting bullied finally gets tired of it yeah. and lashes out. And, and it's so funny because 99% of the cases that I deal with with interpack aggression, who the owners think the instigator is, yeah, it's, it's not. not. Right, it's the one that was just finally tired of being bullied, mm-hmm. um, because interpack aggression can be created with little things. Things like if you watch your dog try to walk into another room, and as soon as they see your other dog in the pathway, they don't approach and they turn around. Even if the dog that's laying in the pathway doesn't do anything, that tells you something right there. Yeah, and. So interpack aggression is something that big that we've kind of always dealt with, but you're right, it's really gone up. Yeah. Where we've dealt with, you know, three or four a year, um, serious three to four a year, mm-hmm. this year we've had a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's funny too, we've seen interpack aggression with dogs who are only dogs. And the reason is a lot of dogs were going to daycare more often than normal. And they're having these interpack issues in the daycare. Yeah. Um, where some, you know, certain dogs in the daycare are disrespecting this dog's signals. And it just escalates to where the dog gets kicked out because they finally are done with it. Um, and that was a big part of our, of our interpack pool as well. Dogs who don't even have a mate at home or they do and they're perfectly fine with their dog, you know, the other dog at home. It's just suddenly they have this dog aggression when they're in a space like a dog park or daycare. Yeah, you're right. Because when you have dogs that go to daycare, a lot of times they do form their own little pack. Mm-hmm. Right? They're, it's that own little family unit. Um, and you're right. We've seen a lot of single dogs that have gone to daycare that have been fine that all of a sudden that are now lashing out in daycare. Mm-hmm. And they're getting removed from daycare. Yeah. And in actuality, you're right. It's the majority of the time it's it's been building. It's it's a never, it's really never a it's um, not a sudden, a sudden thing. onset. Yeah. Right. It's always going to be something that builds up to that. And I'm telling you, if you have a dog that's been kicked out of daycare, or has not done so well at the dog park, don't be frustrated, um, and don't keep your dog from playing with other dogs. You may need to get some training. The dog may need to learn some self-control. Dog may need to learn to play with a group that has better signals and much more respect mm-hmm. um, to learn to get back in that. But keeping them away from other dogs is not appropriate because they need to have that. They need to have that socialization. Um, but you know, with the interpack aggressions in the home where we've had multiple dogs, I'd say that we're about 97%, 98% successful mm-hmm. uh, when the owners do what they're you know, supposed to do. But you know, if you let it go too long, it's, it's, it's difficult. Yeah, it's, it's tough for me to tell, have to tell someone that has waited a long time to address the issue that you know, it might not be reversible. 
Yeah. That's really tough. Didn't we have a call that was, they'd been like over a year yeah. or something, and yeah. they'd been separated and that's, in the house for about a year. Yeah, and management isn't the way, I mean, it's, that's it's frustrating. It, yeah, you that's can't frustrating. Live. Yeah, yeah, you can't live that way. Because your your life is suddenly revolving around these dogs that yep. and, and, and make, are gonna happen. And making sure that they don't get to one another. Right. You know, somebody accidentally leaves a door open. Yep. Um and that's really tough for me to have to say to somebody, listen, I don't from what you're telling me, I don't think this can be fixed. And, you know, one dog is rehomed a lot of times you know they're rehomed and they go to a to a home that has another dog and they're perfectly fine yeah because it's a it's a new it's start. a new start um but you know once they get that negative association and it's ingrained in there and it stays it's it's really tough to come back from that it really is it's, it's very difficult and i always say that you know when you are putting two dogs together first impressions are everything but over time even if they had great first impressions mm-hmm. over time if that disrespect happens there's a point where we can't we can't turn it around. Right. Um, but also, there's just sometimes where the the family or the owners are unable to do the work. Yeah. To get it turned, and it's not their fault. That's not what they do for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, but just sometimes that emotion is just too much for them. Yeah. Uh, so you know, if you have dogs that are you know occasionally getting into it, that is normal, right? Occasionally fighting over something or just getting uh, irritated with each other, but it should be something that's quick. Yeah. You'll hear a lot, maybe a lot of noise. You shouldn't have any real injuries. A lot of slobber. Um, a lot of slobber, but it should happen very quickly, and then they should just move on about their day. If you have dogs, though, that are going at it, and when you're pulling them apart, they're still trying to go at it, and we've got some issues, and we need to work through that. Mm-hmm. And you need to get on it sooner than later. Do not wait, because there's a point where we cannot, we can't fix it, and it's not because, you know, we don't have the tools it's just you can't make a dog be okay with another dog yeah I, there you there's not enough of counter conditioning that you could do mm-hmm. with that so because it's all about survival for these dogs well it this is funny the other day <laughs> i had a friend request um from a girl I went to elementary school with. Holy moly. Who bullied me. Oh no. I mean, I was terrified of this girl. Horrified. And then she moved away. Um and so she requested me and I kind of looked at her profile as as one does. And, you know, she seemed like a really sweet human <laughs> and, you know, had kids and a family and dogs and everything was good and I didn't care if she was a literally a saint. I I denied the friend request because the association for me with her, even though I was five or six years old, I was I was like, no, she was mean. She was horrible to me, and that was terrifying. No, I am not going to add you. I don't care that you're grown up now, and you know you've you're a better human. <laughs> but, but issue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, we can go into why but kids issue. why kids are bullies and all of that stuff, but we won't. Um, <laughs> but you know, that association was still there even you know, almost 30 years later. That says a lot. And so, you know, why would dogs be any different in that 
type of situation. Right, because they have this one set of association or multiple set of association that's similar, whereas humans, we can sit there and go, well, she looks like a nice woman. She's got kids. Yeah, we can reason. Right, we can reason, but yet that emotional response that you had was so strong Mm -hmm. that it doesn't allow you to open up to that, even with your reasoning. So that gives you a really good clue and idea of how dogs kind of feel. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what we do. If there's a, a huge negative association, the only way we can we can basically help these dogs is help them how to deal with it, not necessarily how to like, you yeah. know, yeah. the other dog, but possibly how to deal with it. Now we've had some where they become friends and things are great and and all that, but I think that was a great example just to help people to understand that. It's a real emotion. Dogs have emotions. You know, we talk about dogs love us. My dog loves me and I can look in his eyes and I just know what he's thinking. And then why isn't it believed that dogs have panic attacks? Mm -hmm. Dogs have negative associations. Dogs have, um, you know, fears about people or other things or items because of those associations. Yeah. Um, You know, and I think that's also a big part of, you know, how can a dog be lost from their owner? for three years and then see them and then come running to them like because they know them right because of that positive association so if we can have all the positivity with what dogs hold on to then i think that we can we definitely need to validate that we can have this negativity um, as well so that was a great example i'm I'm glad you shared that and maybe if she's listening you should have been nicer because you're missing out on an amazing woman now (laughs) i'm sure she's a perfectly nice human um she seems she seems like she is seems fabulous <laughs> well that was our top three for um uh, behaviors for 2020 yeah and our, this year's almost over um praise jesus right i mean it's been rough guys and you know i think though that this year you've not had any excuse to not work with your dogs because i know you've had the time <laughs> there was nothing else to do that's true right so i know you've had the time to work with your dogs Um, and if you've not if you've just kind of been satisfied with what your dog does and your dog is fine dog doesn't bother you well that's good but look at your dog is your dog getting his needs met right is your dog getting that enrichment is the dog enjoying life as much as you're enjoying having the dog in your life all right that's a big thing And, and i think that was a really big thing that it's hard to explain to people that it's not just how you see your dog, but, you know, is your dog getting those things? And, and I think about that when, you know, we went, we're recording this on a Sunday and we went to the farm today and just watching Isabella and Dagan just run through the fields mm-hmm. and just, I mean, the glory. And if you're not on Instagram, you've got to follow us on Instagram, um, which is Instagram.com. It's Dog Speak 101. Dog Speak 101. And uh, if, if follow us on Instagram. No, I always I get confused. Guys, our name is Dog Speak. We just have Dog Speak 101 because somebody already had the dogspeak.com. Um, so it is Dog Speak 101, I believe, on Instagram. It is. Uh, yes. Check it out, though. There's some really cute uh, pictures from um, our trip out. And uh, Isabella had a great time digging and getting her nose all dirty. And it was just a, a fun time. But to watch them have such a, a, a ball like that. I mean, I enjoy just walking in the woods, but to watch them, that was really, uh, that was really a lot of fun. So be sure that you're meeting your dog's needs, that you're just not letting your dog meet your needs, uh, but you're meeting your dog's needs. Brittany, thanks for, for coming on these last few podcasts. 
Thanks for the new gold microphone. Y'all, I, I did. I'm stoked about I this. I got her a gold microphone. Um, it's amazing. We have a whole new setup. I hope this sounds okay to you guys. It looks like it's sounding okay on my computer program. Well, but, I don't care. My mic is gold. <laughs> and it is. Gold. <laughs> I feel like Dolly Parton or something right now. Like, I might bedazzle it. I don't know. Y'all, help me. It's pretty, pretty spectacular. Help me. Going into 2021, she's going to have a bedazzled mic. I don't even know what to do with that. Well, now she's out of wine. I'm out of wine. So I guess we better wrap up this episode. Um, and that was Jake, our old man, hacking up a lung. Uh, but I guess we will not talk to you until 2021. We will have a podcast out the first week of 2021. No, I do not know what it's going to be on just yet. Uh, but if you have ideas, please feel free to email us. Um, is our podcast email up and working? It is. It is podcast at dogspeak101.com. Podcast at dogspeak101.com. You can uh, follow us on Facebook. Dogspeak101, Instagram, Dogspeak101. Um, our website's dogspeak101.com. Our name is Dogspeak. I know, it's, <laughs> it's really weird. confusing. It's weird, uh, but it is just Dogspeak, redefining dog training. Be sure that you uh, rate and review us, please, for this episode or this podcast so that other people can find us. And again, check us on our Patreon account. If you cannot monetarily support the podcast, that's okay. We just want you to share it. Get it out there to your family and friends. And if you have ideas on an episode that you would like for us to do, that you would like me to do, for you like Brittany and I to do, at some point we're going to get Gray or back gray. on here. Yeah, We're going to get Gray back on here at some point. Um, but he's super busy as well. Uh, let us know. Shoot us an email. We want to hear from you. Shoot us an email. We want to know that you're out there listening and that you're enjoying the podcast and um, we would love to hear any of your ideas. Brett, you got anything to say? Any words of wisdom for the end of 2020 going in to 2021? Any words of wisdom? Uh, yeah, just, just go in slow. Don't touch anything. <laughs> uh, go in slow. Just <laughs> don't touch anything. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That, that might be the best advice ever. Yeah, that's all I got. That was amazing. That's all I got for that. That was amazing. Um, but thank you guys for all your support this year. Um, I know it's been a tough year for all of you too. Um, thanks for listening and for you know trusting us with your dogs during this tough time. And yeah, it's gonna it's gotta get better. It's, it's gotta get better. It's gotta get better. Um, oh, you know what? Before we go, um, I guess that we should probably announce our Ivy League dog for 2020. So. Oh, this is one something for the entire year. Yeah, so we we had one that that kind of was the end of last year. The Gerber family. Oh yeah, yeah. They they were our Ivy League dogs for 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, for 2020, do you want to announce who our Ivy League dog is? It's really nothing. I mean, like they don't really get a whole lot of anything special. I, but I have no idea who you're gonna say. Really? Yeah. Clark. Oh, Clark. Clark. Amanda, if you're listening, congratulations. Uh, you and Clark have been chosen for our Ivy League dog group. <laughs> he is pretty for 2020. He's pretty awesome. And if you've not seen, check out the Instagram. There's a great picture of Clark Isabella on there. Isabella would like him to be her boyfriend. Yeah, maybe they might be. You never know. They're best friends. Uh, you, you never know. Um, and so Clark is our Ivy League dog. Uh, we'll get you something really cool, uh, Clark. And we'll get it to you when you get back in town. I know you're out of town. Uh, so be safe. Maybe you're listening to this on your drive home. Um, if you are out there listening and you're driving, wake up. Don't wreck. Keep listening to us. 
but it's uh, we really our Ivy League dog is just they've gone above and beyond of the things that we have taught and they've just become such an amazing pet as well as an amazing companion with a great owner so shout out to Amanda and Clark thanks for being our 2020 Ivy League dog and if you want to be our 2021 Ivy League dog and owner then you got to get to work. You got to start working with your dogs. So we will see you guys in 2021. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful new year. And as Brittany said, go into it slow and don't touch anything. Mm.